0: This podcast discusses content that may be triggering for some listeners. Please be advised discussions include gambling language, types of gambling, and addiction.
1: Hello and welcome to the Hidden Addiction Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Across New York State, we have seven problem gambling resource centers dedicated to connecting individuals to care. We're here to increase awareness about problem gambling and advocate for treatment and support for persons adversely affected by problem gambling. Gambling is defined as risking something of value on a game of chance for a desired reward. Problem gambling or even gambling addiction can affect anyone at any time in their life. It might not be talked about or even overlooked because it often can be easily hidden for a long time. Our hope is this podcast shines a light on problem gambling and we can share resources and information to help those who need us. The views and opinions shared by guests may not reflect the views and opinions of the New York Council on Problem Gambling. Hello everybody, and thank you again for joining us for the Hidden Addiction podcast. My name is Jeffrey Bickey. I'm with the New York Council on Problem Gambling.
0: And I'm Colleen Jones, and I'm also with the New York Council on Problem Gambling.
1: It's great to have everybody today, and we have a special guest with us today, Andrew O'Grady is with us, and I'll give Andrew a minute just to kind of introduce himself and share a little bit about his organization, Mental Health America of Dutchess County. So, Andrew, it's great to have you. Thanks so much for joining us for um, Mental Health Awareness Month, and if you could tell us just a little bit about yourself and your organization, that'd be awesome.
2: Sure. Thanks, Jeffrey and Colleen. I appreciate you having me on. Um, We are a not-for-profit organization in Dutchess County, New York, and uh, we provide a number of different services, uh, both in the addiction world as well as the mental health world. Uh, We do not have a primary focus on the clinical work um, done by uh, therapists and psychiatrists. We do mainly supportive uh, ancillary work which i believe has the biggest impact for the clients we serve we serve mainly people uh, that are uh, living in poverty uh although um and ma- mainly that comes from their social security disability status and bringing in you know only a small uh, amount of money every month because of their disability whether it be, la- be related to addiction or uh mental health we do have some services that are not um, related to uh, monetary criteria at all. We have support groups. We have uh, the mobile crisis intervention team in Dutchess County, where we will go out if there's a, an emergency psychiatric call and assess and determine what direction somebody should go in. Uh, we have community based care management. We have addiction services for alcohol and drugs. And, you know, this problem gambling is obviously an emerging topic that, you know, perhaps in five years we will have actual treatment facilities related to just gambling. I don't know. But uh, right now the focus is not on gambling in those services and programs. We have uh, two halfway houses for uh, twenty one for 24 men and one for 24 females. Uh, We have a a, a joint 12 bed, uh, could be men or women in that facility. Uh, we have a daytime homeless shelter, and we have a huge uh, veterans services department. So um, we, in fact, we have a big open house tomorrow. At, well, tomorrow uh, is not May during Mental Health Month, but we're recording this on in April, and and we have a big open house on Friday for our veterans one stop shop. We had a building donated to us, and um, we moved all our veteran services there, and we were able to get the county to move their veteran services in there, and we have the VA moving in there. Uh, it's going to be a great spot for Dutchess County veterans.
1: It's, that's fantastic. And um, yeah, if you, if Andrew, if you want to send that information over to me, I'll I'll push it out too on social media so that people can see the open house tomorrow. It's a really great work that you're doing with the veterans. So if we could just back up just a little bit um, for anybody who might be listening that really isn't that familiar with uh, mental health and we're talking about mental illness. Um, So what exactly is mental health, mental illness? What would people be experiencing when we're talking about the addiction and mental health?
2: Yeah, part of the dynamic that we see, which I believe ties into the stigma around mental health, is that we say things like mental health, like we're saying right now, without actually uh, discussing the specific diagnosis. So, you know, when you do that, one might think of the people you see on criminal minds who are killing people, uh, which is a very, very small number of people that have mental health issues. Um, and then you have the general population or listeners here or listeners here who 25 percent of the population struggle with anxiety or depression, treatable um, at any given time um, in their life. So, you know, it's it's a, such a wide Range. So, but I'll focus on the people who are listening today, and talk a little bit about anxiety and depression, which are the two most commonly uh, diagnosed mental health issues. Um, as well as OCD is up there with that. Um, PTSD is a little uh, a little less common, and um, you know, there's a whole wide range. Gambling addiction is becoming uh, more of an issue at this time. Uh, alcohol. Uh, they call it substance use disorder. is um, is pretty prevalent in our in our United States population as well. These are all areas that fall under the mental health spectrum. Um, uh, my big push for the last thirty years has been to kind of try to eradicate this, eradicate the stigma around mental health, and that's why you know I'm so appreciative that you and Colleen have. Um, been able to put me on this show because every time we have a conversation or talk about it, it'll, it, it kind of you know, wears away at that stigma a little bit. So that's fantastic. Thanks for having me for that. Um, I, I think it's important that people get past the stigma and realize that it, it mental health issues, whether it be the, the mild anxiety or mild depression all the way through to um, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, um, they they are all treatable and people do not have to suffer unnecessarily. And the, the, the example I'd like to use, which relates to most people who are not getting help, is you know that person in your family or that person might be you, that the glass is usually half empty. They go through life. They go to, they go to work. They do what they need to do. They, uh, they have a family. They're raising their family, but they're just not happy uh most of the time and um you know they and when you're not happy you know you're irritable so not only are you just not happy and feeling sad and feeling you know a lack of energy but now things that would normally not trigger the normal person trigger you you get upset and it impacts everybody in your family because um you're not a happy person and you're upset about something that shouldn't really disrupt the whole family structure Uh, An example would be the dishes are in the sink and, you know, you know, it's annoying. Your kids leave the dishes in the sink, but it doesn't have to become a a big blowout that ruins the whole evening for everybody. So, and I bring that up because I had a a person, I did therapy with many years ago who who fell into that category and she took the steps to get help, which was fantastic. And I convinced her to meet with our psychiatrist and, and use a small, a small dose of, of, uh, antidepressant, which is non-addictive and minimal side effects. And all of a sudden, about three weeks later, she reported that, you know, it's not, doesn't make her happy all the time, but she, she notices that the small little things in life that used to trigger her and upset her even further no longer did. Um, so that's an example, a concrete example of how that can be helpful. So the
1: message is don't suffer unnecessarily and figure out a way to reach out for help. That's great, and thank you for those examples too. I think that's really helpful for people to understand when we're talking about mental health that there's a lot of different types of mental health that can be diagnosed. And, you know, just the treatable part, I think adds a lot of hope for people. And, um, you know, and I've noticed in the industry, the the reducing that stigma has become very important. And I'm, even in the language that we use. When So some of the examples you have given with anxiety and depression and PTSD, is it common for people to have more than one diagnosis is that something that you see often where someone might have anxiety and depression for example is that is that something that's common
2: i think anxiety and depression is very common to have together i mean one might be <clears throat> one might be the the primary that you want to address so for instance if you're so ridden with anxiety that you you know, don't want to take the step to go out or you don't, you're, you're just everything. And think about when you had to do a presentation in school and you had to do an oral presentation and and you're sitting there and you know, you're next, you know, that feeling of dread you kind of have. And um, that feeling is, is, associated with people with anxiety for no apparent reason. I mean, in that case, you know that you're anxious about standing up in front of everybody, And once you do it, you might be nervous when you're there. But then once you're done, it goes away. People with anxiety, ongoing anxiety, have that all the time. And sometimes they can't exactly target what it is that's causing them anxiety. So to your point, if that's happening and their life is being impacted, then, of course, it's going to impact their uh, their feelings of depression. And that's going to wear them down, and they'll have feelings of depression. PTSD is a very interesting diagnosis because literally every symptom of PTSD is a separate, distinct symptom that could be diagnosed in a in a DSM-4 manual. So uh, you have um, uh, difficulty sleeping, insomnia. You have um, flashbacks. Uh, you have disassociation that could happen. Uh, there's many different you're depressed, you're, in, you're anxious in certain situations. Um, so a clinician would have to really drill down and figure out what it is that's causing that. And it could be related to a traumatic event you had, but if, if you're not talking about that traumatic event, you're going in because you're just talking about the fact that you're having butterflies in your stomach and you're having avoidance fears and um, you don't know why. Uh, and that's where the clinician has to really explore and do a deep dive into what's going on.
1: So, You know, and and I'm glad you used some of those examples, you know, and I think about people that I know in my own family and stuff who have some anxiety and things. And so what, you know, what kind of advice would you give to someone, you know, typically reaching out for help can be very difficult and there might be somebody listening right now who you know, after hearing some of those examples and and how it impacts people's lives might think it, it might be a good idea to talk to somebody. Now, what advice would you give to someone who is hesitant to reach out for help, maybe based on the stigma or just fear of uncovering things? Um, what kind of advice would do you think would help someone to make that that first reach out for help?
2: Well, there's there's the first thing I would recommend is that you uh Be very honest with your primary care physician. So have an appointment with that person. Have a conversation with them. Tell them what's going on. Why there's such anxiety uh, around actually saying it is related to the stigma we talked about. People are embarrassed. They think it's their fault somehow. They think they should just be able to control it. It's Mm -hmm. not true. So doctors have heard these things, and doctors are feeling much more confident and comfortable prescribing uh, medication or giving guidance around non chronic, um, non very serious mental health issues, if you know what I mean. A doctor, a regular doctor, might not feel comfortable dealing with schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, but they might feel comfortable now prescribing antidepressant for anxiety or depression. So I would start there because, you know, there are thyroid issues and there are. Um, blood sugar issues that can all tie in or be related to mood issues that somebody might be experiencing. So you want to rule out that there's a medical issue. You get a full blood work, have the doctor weigh in on what they think. Now I will, here's the caveat. Um, and I will I'll be happy to validate for people. It's very, very hard to find a therapist or a psychiatrist right now. Um, you know, it seems like COVID kind of brought to the forefront of, um, People's need for wanting to get some help. And at the same time, there are not enough clinicians out there. So if you do call a bunch of clinicians, you're going to find out that they're not accepting new patients or they don't take your insurance or whatever that might be. One of the things that I found that works is there are some apps out there like BetterHelp, um, Passifier, P A C I F Y R. These apps um, allow you to access a clinician almost immediately. help the better app uh, you have to schedule an appointment in the pacifer app p-a-c-i-f-y-r you can actually uh, scroll through and see who's online and available at the time and you can start a conversation with them you get billed at the end and it's not that expensive and um, it's virtual and it can happen right away Um, because making an appointment three weeks out and the anxiety of having to see that therapist for the first time that's that's anxiety provoking as it is so you just open up the app and you start a conversation and um they can guide you to the best option. So there are there are options out there but start with your primary care doctor um and then call your insurance company and ask for a list of providers because many people call me and say who can I go to? And I've I've fallen I've fallen into the trap before of giving them the names I would recommend and then they go through two hours of calling and and find out that they don't take their insurance. So now I tell people to go on their insurance website, get the list of providers and start calling them to start.
1: That's great. And I'm glad you mentioned COVID. You know, we we all want to stop talking about COVID at this point. But at the same time, you know, in a lot of areas, we do realize that it did take a toll on people. There was a lot more alcohol use, drug use, a lot a lot of people that lost income. So they were suffering from some of those mental health issues. Um, so now we, uh, Colleen and I work with um, the New York Council on Problem Gambling. So we know there's a correlation between mental health and gambling. And I guess sometimes Andrew, it's the chicken or the egg, right? What did someone start gambling because they were experiencing depression or anxiety? or did a gambling problem cause depression anxiety so i you know sometimes i i guess that's probably hard to identify but when you see patients for gambling are you also seeing other mental health issues present with that same client um you know i've i've
2: seen probably not not hundreds maybe 10 or 12 people so far uh through the problem gambling network and i would say that um for those people, their gambling was not tied to a previous mental health issue.
0: Their okay. gambling
2: was just something they found fun. They're hanging out with friends. They're placing a bet. They're talking about it. And then it becomes um, an obsession to them, um, something that they can't stop and something. And, and then you get tricked. Gambling's an interesting dynamic. You get tricked into believing that you know, it's all going to work out and you're going to get a win and make up for the losses that you have. And you keep chasing those losses. And then ultimately what happens is you have a spike in anxiety because now you're hiding, you start hiding uh, this gambling because these are losses. And unless you're living alone, um, if you're living with a family and you're trying to support them, now you're not able to, you know, you're worried about paying the next bill because you spent the money and now you're hiding it. So now you're now you're lying and, and secrets and hiding um, can take a toll on somebody. As it is, they love the people they're with. They don't want to do that, but they're also afraid of, of acknowledging that they have a big problem. So, you start having a lot of anxiety, and then you have depression. And you know, thankfully, I have not seen it yet. But unlike other mental health issues that, um, you know, that can lead to, that can lead to suicide, um, or or drug addiction, which can lead to an accidental overdose. Um, the the end result of a gambling addiction ultimately without being treated is it can be suicide. I mean, people don't see any way out. They've dug such a deep hole uh, that they they don't see any way out and they don't see how they can get out of it. I've worked with some people who have dug um, a hole of um, upwards of $200,000. They have, they um, are on track to, to getting that paid off they see an end game of five years they realize it's that long and now they are struggling with the marital and relationship issues around you know the fact that everybody's on board dad gambled dad um dad is now not gambling but we can't go as on on as many trips and he has to work twice as hard at work and we don't see him as often anymore so that's a that's an adjustment that's going to lead to further you know marital Relationship relationship issues um, that they'll have to work through, but overall, I've seen uh, great progress with most of the people I've worked with. And I don't, it's not me, it's them. Um, we we I've guided them to take themselves off the gambling network. I've guided them to um, you know ban themselves from all these uh, platforms. And once you do that, it's it's kind of amazing how it feels like they're lost, but Little by little, after two or three weeks, I, I believe it's the uh, the dopamine levels, or the serotonin levels, and the brains start to level off. You don't you don't you're not fiending for that anymore. You start feeling like it's less and less of something you have to do. And then at the same time, it's a great dynamic. At the same time, they're watching their bank account go up a little by little because even though they're paying off debt, their their you know their account is going up and not down, and. Um, and then they see progress and they realize that, you know, that that's working better for them and they're much happier. So there's a way out on the gambling and um, but it it can be very overwhelming to people. It can really get you in some trouble.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just I just want to backpedal just for one one minute. We were talking about um, gambling and just like some of the statistics do show, you know, like that it's it's one in five people um, who do struggle with their gambling will will attempt or die by suicide, which is the highest of any addiction. So just like, you know, we talk about mental health and stigma, I think it's good that we're talking about gambling as well, because there's a very big stigma with gambling. Um, Just like with mental health, some people think it's their fault gambling, it's hard to really, you know, be like, hey, I did this, I, you know, I put ourselves in this hole, I put my family in this hole. Um, But the good news is, like we said, that there there is help available. And, Um, we actually have this great website called mind ride, and it kind of shows you that those dopamine levels can get back to normal levels, right? When we're gambling, we need higher. Um, our dopamine is lower. We need to go gamble to, for our brain to like have that reward again. Right. But if we start, if we find someone start getting help, we can teach our brain to get those natural dopamine rewards again, from things like family relationships getting a promotion at your job, spending time with, you know, your kids. So there is, there is that hope, which I think is important to talk about.
2: Yeah. I'll give you a quick example. Uh, A gentleman I was working with um, was like on the couch. He described when he was gambling, he has like a young daughter and he's on the couch and he's, you know, in the evening and his wife asks him to, you know, help his daughter brush her teeth. Seems like a simple thing. Um, he did, but he was annoyed, and it took him like an extra ten minutes because he wanted to see the end of this game because he was tied to it with a, with a bet, and um, and now he feels so free of that. It was almost like a chain that held him to the couch or held him to his phone, and he had to see, you know, what the outcome was going to be, and and nothing else mattered, including his child and his wife and and everything else. And he would get frustrated that he was asked to do something because it took away from the gambling. So his life in his in his family structure and his family life is so much better now uh, because of it. He's so much more in tune with his daughter and he's watching her grow up and he's not missing moments.
1: So as we've been talking about um, gambling and mental health, you know, I think I think it's important. We'll take a second here to our organization has a pretty easy, straightforward definition of problem gambling. And there's a, there's a reason why we do this, too. Our definition of problem gambling is if your gambling is causing a problem, it's problem gambling. And the reason we do that is because we don't want anyone listening out there or anyone to think that what they're experiencing is not bad enough to reach out for help. So even if it is just the example that you just used where someone notices they're agitated because they're trying to watch the end of the game and they have regular responsibilities that they're responsible for... If it's causing problems and somebody feels like they need to reach out for help, they can reach out for help. Someone can just simply go to our website, go to NYCPG, the New York Council on Problem Gambling website, and there's a self-screener on there. There's tools on there to see kind of what's going on and, and if somebody does want to reach out for help. But we do know and that gambling disorder is a diagnosable disorder, so if you could just share... In a, you know, real quick, how how is a diagnosis for a gambling disorder made versus someone who's just experiencing some problems? What are some of the differences there?
2: Well, I always look at you know just like I would with uh, alcohol or drugs. I mean, I explore with an individual about negative uh, events in their life, and I ask them if to think back to those negative events and let me know if or be honest with themselves if alcohol or drugs were somehow involved in that, were you trying to actively get alcohol or drugs? Were you drunk or high at the time? Um, you know, that that scenario. Um, it's the same thing with problem gambling. I mean, do have you missed important events in your life? Have you, um, have you had to work extra out? You know, gambling is a very interesting thing because you have to drill down a little deeper. It might not be as simple as, have you missed your kid's birthday party? And the answer is yes, because I had to work. Well, that seems to be an easy um, justification, right? Except you have to work because you have to make more money because you gambled it away and you wouldn't have worked that Saturday if you weren't gambling. That's, you know, you're looking a little closer. So gambling can fool people into believing that it's not a problem until it is until it is a big problem. And so those screening tests you can take on your site are very important. Um it's a matter of just being honest with yourself. Are you losing sleep? Because now you're figuring out, um, you know, it's almost like a depression diagnosis that you look for the are you, is your sleep impacted? Are you sleeping less? Are you sleeping more? Uh, Are you eating less? Are you eating more? Um, and is it related on some level to the gambling? Are you up all night because you have to see the score of the next game and you can't sleep? Are you up all night now because you're thinking about, oh, shit, I got, oh, oh or whatever, I have my mortgage payment, I got to pay and I can't pay. It was a podcast, you can swear. Um, are, are you know, it, what what is it that's keeping you up at night? So, um, you know, uh, that's what you really look at. And you have to be honest with yourself about that. And, and it's, it is easy. You, you, the state has made it very easy. I have a, you know, I'm not going to, you know, come down on problem gambling in New York state, but I think it's important that this is available to people and people can get free treatment as a result mm-hmm. of that number, which is great because you're not, uh, you're not getting in deeper, but, you know, New York state's a funny place, you know, let's legalize gambling and let's cause, you know, all these people to have this problem and then let's fund this whole thing to help them, uh, You know, I wish we didn't legalize it in New York in a lot of ways, because um, it's real easy for people to get into trouble. It really is.
1: It is. And I'm glad you you know, I'm glad you mentioned that um, people can fool themselves into thinking that everything's going to be okay. And oftentimes when I talk to people and I do trainings across the state and I say, um, you know, how many times does it take someone to win? does someone think they have to win to make back say that $200,000? And in in somebody's mind who has a gambling problem, they just have to win once to make it all back. And they're constantly chasing that that loss. So that's, you know, where the name of our podcast came from, The Hidden Addiction, because it's it's really hard, easy to hide from family members and relatives um, at work. So again, I'm just going to give out the website real quick. As you mentioned, those screening tools is nyproblemgambling.org it's the easiest way to just hop on the website everything's confidential the phone number is 833 here to help um 833 here to help if somebody is out there is listening Andrew is there anything you wanted to share as we wrap up here um is there any resources maybe through uh, mental health america duchess county that that somebody can find online or your facebook page anything you want to share Yeah, certainly look at our Facebook
2: page, MHA, uh, it's Mental Health America of Dutchess County is the Facebook page. The website is mhaduchess.org. And, you know, you could reach us through a website, we have a a, a question area in the website where you could just type in a question, you'll get a response from us. Um, You know, if we don't provide the service that would be helpful to you, I, I really it's very important to me. And and I've, I've done this from the top down and all my directors know it that, you know, if we can't provide the service, we're not going to tell you, sorry, it's not us. We're going to figure out how you can get the service, where you would get the service and make a, a warm handoff if possible and a connection. You're not going to get a wrong door if you reach out to MHA Duchess and we'll help you. We'll help you
1: get to where you need to be. That's great. Great resources available. Andrew, I want to thank you, you know, for taking the time to spend a half hour here with us and share some about mental health. I hope, you know, I hope people listening kind of learned a little bit, found out that there is help available. Every time we talk about it, as you mentioned earlier, we reduce that stigma just a little bit. And if one person listening reaches out for help and we can get them on that path to recovery, you know, we've we've really made a difference. So, Really appreciate having you today. Um, again, everybody, this is the Hidden Addiction Podcast. And if you need any resources, you can visit nyproblemgambling.org or you can call 833-HERE-TO-HELP. And
0: and, yeah, and we'll make sure that um, MHA Duchess information as well as our information is in the show notes. So if you're looking for those resources, they'll be right there.
2: Thank you both for having me. Thanks for being here.